Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. You know, we here at Viewpoint like to think of ourselves as a kind of pair of eyeglasses, something that our listeners can use to help see their lives in a better frame, to help see their lives through heaven's lens. And as we do that, we have to talk about real life, and sometimes real life is a mess-up. It's not always easy. Our guest today, as he was last week, is Sam Hanna, a man who's given his life to law enforcement, but in the course of his career, enforcing the law, an officer of the peace, as we sometimes would refer to men who serve their communities in this way, he has stumbled across some really horrific crimes, some awful tragedies, things that speak about the nature of evil, even as we are in a world filled with good. Today, Sam is going to talk to us about an awful story. It's a true story. It's straight out of a true crime book you might think of because the details of the story are so appalling. We want to give you a heads up. This is an uncomfortable story, but still there is the hand of God in its resolution and that when you place yourself into the Lord's hand, there is a way somehow that you can bring things to a close in a just and righteous way. That's Sam's testimony today. You're going to be riveted to this radio program once he starts to share. We'll be right back. Sam Hanna, thanks for being with us on Viewpoint today. Oh, thank you for having me. How many years would you say in your adult life have you served in law enforcement? <laughs> My whole life. Your I, whole life. I... I uh did a criminal justice degree and went right into the sheriff's department, retired, went to work for the prosecutor's office, then went to work as a chief of police in Elwood, Indiana. And so your whole adult life, and you're now in that early 60s frame, just like me, yes, has sir. been devoted to this life calling, and it is that, a life calling. And you've, you've written a book called Point Blank that tells some of the stories that you have walked through in your career. Yes, sir. And uh, it's a fascinating read. And because you and I live in the same community, some of those stories are familiar to me because I subscribe to the newspaper too. <laughs> and so, you know, I can see the story unfold, and I know that you were on the streets helping to solve the story. And today we want to talk about one that I remember so vividly reading about because it was so terrifying, about an assault, a, a, a sexual assault and a double murder in a small little town near the city where I live. It seems so random. It seems so unprovoked. You know, I think when we read about stories of crime or any kind of loss, we want to have something where we can understand it. You know, can we create a scenario? Well, that makes sense. That's why it happened, because we just want some reason, some reasonable frame of reference to explain the tragedy. But sometimes crime isn't like that. I mean, the only explanation is it's just raw evil and innocent people find themselves in its crosshairs. And that's this story. It took place in a little town called Lapel. Do you remember this? Yes, sir. And uh, what happened here in this narrative? What began the story? We have a young mom and her little girl at home. Yes, uh, her husband was in Florida looking for a job to relocate. The other child was in school. I had been out investigating another burglary or theft that was in this immediate area when we got a call that a lady had been found dead in her duplex that she lived in. On my way there, then they said there had been another body found. But I had been on the sheriff's department almost 38 years, 28 of which I was detective, and they kind of referred to me as a senior detective. So when I got there, I was assigned the case. 
And uh, what, what kind of crime scene did you find? In the bedroom, I found the woman that had been killed. Her throat had been slit. Her throat had been slit? Yes. How old would she be approximately? Maybe late 20s, maybe okay. early 30s, but I think in her late 20s. All right. And uh, she was there, and then what else? In the bedroom, in the, another part of the house, looked like a child's bedroom. The little girl was on the floor, maybe two, three years old, and her throat had been slit as well. I mean, it's just, it's a worst possible nightmare, a crime scene like this. A young mom and her daughter. Yes. Both their throats slit. Correct. And you're walking into a scenario like that. Uh, first, Sam, I just have to say, when, when you walk into a stage like that, and this is not a film, it's not a television drama, this is real life. Yes, sir. What comes to mind first up? God has given me a, a thought process to all of a sudden I just start analyzing. I start piecing it together. And all I'm thinking about is someone that committed this was not part of this community. That's all I knew at the time. You had an intuitive sense that an outsider, someone yes. who was not identifiable within this small town, is right. probably responsible. Yes. And, you know, you walk in, you see the woman laying there, and then you walk in and see the child laying there. You say to the child, I can't take this back. I can't change the outcome. But I can promise you one thing, I will not sleep until someone's held accountable. And so evidence is taken, and it's a crime scene, as we could imagine, from watching television or film. Right. My captain always tells me, I'll take care of getting the scene taken care of, getting it secured, secured and, so. and do whatever. Go find the bad guy. So you don't have to actually do any dusting. You're not on the CSI side of it. You're walking out the door. You're not in uniform. You're wearing a suit. You're a detective. You're going to go find who is the perpetrator yes. of this crime. We start talking to people in the community, people who hear about start coming forward, and we come up with one thing. This guy, whoever he is, is wearing some construction clothing, and he's driving a little blue car with a handicap sticker hanging down from the mirror. And that's the only clue you have. And, and we don't even know if, he, if he's connected or not. Right, but... But that thing keeps coming up the That's whole. the only person of reference that the community can identify yes. that may be culpable, but we don't even know who that is or if he's connected. Right, because, you, you know, I, I don't live in that area, but people who do knows when something's out of place, and that car was out of place. When we come back, we're going to talk about how this crime was solved with lightning speed. And also, Sam the lessons you learned in life from this awful tragedy. Stay with us. As you're listening to our broadcast today, you may have a question or a comment, maybe a prayer request. We are always glad to hear from you. And 24 hours a day and seven days a week, we're by the phone. This is the number. I'll give it to you later in the broadcast, but you might want to write it down just now. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. When you call, not only will we be glad to hear from you, but we can also see that you get a copy of Sam's book, Point Blank, which tells this and several other amazing stories. Sam, you have uh, been called to a case 
a double murder, an appalling crime, horrific really. You've left the scene of the crime. You're trying to apprehend whoever it was that took the life of a young mom and her little girl. And as you do that, you're getting clues from the neighborhood, from the community. All you have to work with is that, well, there was a guy in construction clothing, dressed like he was going to a construction job, and with a truck or car, a van, or something that had a handicap sticker on it. This is what you've got. And what happens next? Well, there had been a call earlier that day in that same area where people came home and found their house burglarized. And then we found another lady who said this gentleman and this description came to her house and was acting very suspicious, but did not leave until her dog chased him off. So after being out all night, I went home to get cleaned up, take a shower, and kind of get myself rejuvenated, and I go back out again on the hunt. And I go to the location where the homicide took place because this guy in this car had stopped and asked several people where, this, where a construction site was. So I start going out on a, on a um, mile square until I found uh, some gentlemen gathering one morning what appeared to be a construction site. So I go in and I talk to them and I describe the car and him to them. They said, yes, we know who he is. Uh, but he no longer works for the flagging company he was working for because, and this was really key to the investigation, he left yesterday for about four hours and didn't come back. And when he came back, it was like he was hyped up on something. And he lost his job over it. He lost his job over it. So I ended up talking to his boss in Indianapolis, found out that he had told his boss that he was somewhere in southern Indiana, wouldn't be available to be talked to. So I ended up calling him and talking to him. You got the him. number, called him yourself. Yes. And he uh, told me the same story. So I contacted some friends that worked for a special agency that works on fugitives. And we were able to pinpoint exactly where he was. From the call? Yes. So by tracking him down by his telephone, you were able to actually apprehend him. And when you arrested him, did you find other evidence that might link him to this or other crimes? We found trace evidence in his car that was able to be used for DNA that led us back to the little girl. And it was kind of like a God saying, you've got the right man. Right, a confirmation. Yes. But also you found evidence that implicated him for other crimes. Yes. Uh, we had uh, another officer with me executed a search warrant on his apartment and found what we call a trophy bag that led to other uh, sexual assaults that had happened in several other counties around Madison County. And so this man ultimately went to trial and yes. was convicted. He was convicted and now sits on death row. He is today on death row. Yes. And Sam, when you look back on it, not only was justice done for the child, you promised yes. uh, in the place, but also think about how many other people may have been saved because he clearly was a serial criminal yes. who had a predisposition or some kind of weakness that I, caused him to prey on the vulnerable. I, I call him a serial rapist. When we come back, Sam, though, I want to talk to you about your journey with this and the, and the truths that come out of an awful story like this. There are so many question marks about how could this happen and why does it happen? And how do you cope going to work in a world like this?
Sam Hanna has spent a career in law enforcement. He has solved some very difficult cases. Today we're talking about one that involved a sexual assault and double murder. And as you apprehended the assailant, and he now is imprisoned, waiting on death row. And I talked to you a little bit about how you put your arms around stories like this. I mean, how do you survive yourself emotionally and physically and and spiritually in a world where you are front and center with some of the darkest expressions of humanity. And you said there was a verse in the Proverbs that really helped you. It's in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, and it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. How does that scripture help you make sense of this world? Well, it started from the earliest time that I can remember. I talk about my book about how my earliest football coaches, how whether they knew it or not, they were preparing me for this work. The people you hang with, your friends, you learn from them every day. And I was learning from fellow policemen who were policemen way back before I even thought about it, but I was getting this strong desire to be a policeman, but yet to be the kind of policeman that your weapons wasn't the handgun you carried or the handcuffs you carried, but your heart. And as I'm dealing with some of the worst crimes I've seen, I I could talk about cases like this case, the little girl who died from falling on a piece of glass because of negligence of her stepmother, or seeing a a guy kill his ex-wife and her boyfriend, things that that you don't understand, and you have to depend on your heart and God's love in that heart. Some people would say to me, how do you deal with this from a day-to-day basis? Well, you go home, you got young kids yourself, you lay out this matchbox cars, and you sit there and play with your kids on the floor, or go play wiffle ball with them. I end up coaching my kids in baseball and football. That's how I deal with it, from the horrible to the most precious. And then I just get up and be ready to go the next day. And as you've surrendered your life, and you did as a young man, into the Lord's hand, you're looking backward and realizing that the Lord put people in your life along the way that have sharpened you. Yes. And have really honed you so that you can do this work. It's not for everyone, but you have been prepared, you believe, by the hand of God to do this work. I I do. Uh, My mom once told me, She wanted me to be a minister. And I said, Mom, I can reach more people on their level in law enforcement than I can from behind a pulpit. And so you have. And you have reached them and touched them and also made it safer for them because of your willingness to do the hard work and to face the unspeakable and to stare down the darkness and bring in some light. And the case we've just described from... This awful tragedy in Lapel, Indiana, has resolved. Those two precious lives are not brought back, but others have been spared because you were willing to step into the gap. And thank you, Sam. And, And as anyone's listening to us today, we want you to know that your life also can become an instrument of good. And the choices you make about who are the people that keep you company, who's sharpening you, who's speaking into your life, 
And what kind of material are you reading? Are you reading the scripture as Sam has done to help form and fashion the heart? To whom have you pledged your allegiance? If you, like Sam, pledge your allegiance to Christ and follow him and allow him to remake you, to cause you to be born again, well, then you also can be an instrument for the good. And we want to encourage you to take that step. You can do that right now. The Lord may not call you into law enforcement. There are a thousand vocations where you can do good. But let the Lord lead you in it, and you can take a step there in prayer with us just now. Our Father, we're so thankful today for your hand on our lives, for your hand on Sam's life. Thank you for giving him wisdom beyond himself, even in the solving of crime. We pray, Lord, for everyone who is hearing this story today, that they might know that they can stand with the light or the dark. And I pray they will choose to stand in the light. And that each of us, Lord, might surrender our lives into your hands, admit our fault, our sin, our inadequacy, and humble ourselves before you and accept the covering of your Son's blood and life on the cross, that we might be reborn and become just what you have created us to be, so that the world might be a better, a safer, and a more sacred place. Thank you for hearing our prayer. It is offered in Jesus' name. Amen. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the Take myself.
Sam, we do thank you for your work and for your testimony today. Thanks for being on Viewpoint. Thank you. And we want you to know, again, that we would love to hear from you. We'd love to give you a copy of Sam's book called Point Blank. Here's the number you can call, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. You can also check us out online, the web address, CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope, cbhviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry, send us an email, we will reply. You can also use the Postal Service. Just address a letter to me, Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or reach out to us by post, please let us hear from you this week. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, and for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, we thank you for tuning in today and joining us for this series, Real Life. And we hope you'll be with us again next week. Until then, stay tuned.